um, because it's from the message. I think the guys have it for me um, any moment now. Ta 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 ta. It's from Isaiah or Luke 4, actually, where Jesus says, This is God's year. Someone say, This is God's year to act. And it says, It goes like this. I'll go ahead and maybe it'll come up. God's Spirit is upon me. Say, God's Spirit is upon me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and the battered free, and to announce, say, to announce, this is God's year to act. This is, God is in the moment, and this is God's year to act. Was last year God's year to act? Absolutely. This year is right where God is, right in this moment. Would you lift one hand up to the Lord? Father, we thank you for the incredible worship. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to speak this morning. We welcome you. We open our ears. We sequester our minds, Lord, to hear from your word. Lord, we declare the new year a new fresh start. Lord, we just ask for our hearts and our spirits to be open to what you are going to say. Speak, Holy Spirit, even while I don't speak. Let us not be confused, but let us receive your word and go forth in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. The number one resolution of the new year is what? Guess. Lose weight. Get, get into your health. Get your health back on. Of the top ten resolutions... Um, I was interested to see on several sites that I checked quickly last night. Stop smoking, stop drinking, um, and also to spend more time with your family, to read your Bible, to read any book was the number one um, resolution in the top ten. I think this year, in order to start this fresh day, why do we have a new year? Why does God um, surrender to this man-made calendar? He doesn't surrender at all. God has his own timetable, his own way of doing things. But I believe in the new year of America, and the new year that we look at in other countries, it's simply to this. Who doesn't need an opportunity to get a fresh start again? Who doesn't need the opportunity to feel refreshed? Who doesn't need the opportunity to feel reborn? Who doesn't need an opportunity to see purpose in your present and hope in a future? And somehow that January 1st, it's not completely mystical, but I believe it is God giving us an opportunity to say, there's a clean slate. Last year is over. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I'm going to be. But I'm forgetting that which is behind, and I'm pressing toward that which is in the future. Can somebody give God a shout of praise in this house? Maybe more than, than focusing on our resolutions. I like goals more than resolutions. I'm a big goal setter. But I think what we need to focus on is God's resolution. In this new year, God's resolutions are this. He is resolved to pick you up every time you fall. He is resolved to give you wisdom and guidance. When you don't know if you're supposed to go to your left or to your right, God is resolved to fulfill his word in your life. God has resolved to be there for you, for your family. God has resolved to meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Can somebody give God a hand clap of praise for that this morning? He is resolved. And to focus on him and see him high and lifted up because uh, our calendar comes from the Greek god Kronos. I don't know if you know this. And the Greek god Kronos, that's where chronological comes from, those words, calendar. 
And the Greek god Kronos was a cannibal, time-eating person that ate, a god who ate his own children. That's why you can look at your life and you can say, where did my time go? Because Kronos, in fact, there's a picture of him eating one of his children with a dangling naked body hanging out of his mouth because Kronos is a calendar that eats your time, a calendar that you say, where did my day go? Where did my year go? But Kairos, everyone say, Kairos, Kairos is God time. It means when God sanctifies your time and you know that your time is pregnant with purpose, that your time is not where did my time go, but what is this time for? Every minute of this new year, may we say, what is this time for? What is this year for? Well, Isaiah and Luke says it is for God to act. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the year that God will act. And this kind of takes me to the place of how do you start again? How, when you come into a new year, how do you start again? The scene is Jerusalem and the time is 500 BC. And the place and the characters in that place, the Spirit of the Lord comes to speak to those people as he comes to speak to each one of us today on this January 1, 2011. In this time where time has changed. Um, when I was growing up, the number one song was Silly Love Songs by Paul McCartney and other great hits. The number one song this year was Hey Soul Sister by Train. That was the number one song. Yeah, I hear some beats going on over here. The, you know, when I grew up, there was dancing like the American Bandstand, but now there's this put on your mask, get up on the stage, and put on a ball cap and just do this. Come on, somebody. That's very awesome. Now, if you didn't, if you missed two weeks ago when Pastor Bryce put on one of the most incredible dances that I have ever seen in that genre or that category, so to speak, um, you missed it. But you can go to YouTube and Google a live youth and you can do like me and stand up at your desk and practice what they're doing. And then you can realize that you're not as black as you thought you were. A lot of my friends have said, do you got a black person in your hands? When I'm at dancing at a New Year's Eve thing with other, you know, people like spiritual children's pair, uh, Donnie McClurk and all of them, Pam Thumb, we were dancing at my daughter Cindy's, and they said, my God, like, is your grandfather black or something? You, you, you can really move. I said, no, it's just from watching all the sisters move my whole life. But you can get up and try that dance and realize that you don't quite have that move. How many loved that dance two weeks ago? It was very awesome. I've already just thought of how many ways I can use that and make them do that this whole year long and torture them. And uh, as Pastor often does, when he sees someone do drama, that's great, like Christiana, I want you to do that all the time. When he sees someone like Bryce, I want you to do that dance all the time. We just loved it. But you know what? I'm not quite as black as I thought I was. Thank God I'm in my, but there's only one person in my house that can really, well, two that appreciate my moves. My husband, he's in awe of them, and my nine-year-old who just turned 10. And as we stood there, she says, Mother, just forget it. That is not how they did. I even had Cece this week trying to teach me how to do the might and then swing out the hip. But you know what? Some things have become new. Everyone say new. New is not always so bad. And this scene in Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit speaks is the same scene in Cleveland, Tennessee today. This story is for every one of us, whether you're here from Hope House or you're a man or woman who've been here a long time, you're a general or you're a young Christian. 
places 500 years before Christ is born. God had set a plan in motion that his temple would be built in a place called Jerusalem. In that very place God had set in the blueprint room of heaven and predetermined that in that time, in that place, Israel would build another temple, though the first one had been destroyed. God would take this page out of history and he would speak to you and I today about the confidence and the courage to start again, to get a fresh start when we sometimes have gone through periods of time of disillusionment and discouragement and been distressed or been lethargic or gotten distracted with the cares of the world. And in this great scene, Israel had been led off into captivity by Babylon. Then someone had overcome Babylon and Cyrus had removed the people underneath him. And they were prisoners and they were living away from their country like us if we were living in Russia right now underneath their guard, and underneath their watch. And Israel couldn't worship and Israel missed worshiping. And for years and years, they had no place to come and sing the songs of God and to get that spiritual DNA just awakened like Mike tried to do this morning. He tried to awaken you from your sugary slump and your slugfest of the last two weeks of, of eating too much. And good. he tried to awaken, come on somebody, the God side inside of you. And for all these years, they didn't have it. Everyone say they didn't have it. And then by God's uh, preordained predestination, he placed Cyrus in a place of position a ruler in what now is Iraq, where Iraq is. And he placed him as a ruler. And he talked about Cyrus hundreds of years ahead of time and said, I will use him to bring freedom to my people. And Cyrus sends them back into Jerusalem. They go into Jerusalem, this bend of remnant of believers. They travel back to Jerusalem, back into their land where the gates have been burned down, where the temple has been crushed by Nebuchadnezzar and all the evil rulers. Everything they had lost that was so precious they realized they had taken it for granted. They had taken for granted the ability to come to a house and to worship their God without having to go to a foreign God's house. They realized what was precious, teaching their children in a place of worship that God was the center and the apex and the crux of their very existence. They had lost and they had taken it for granted. And so they begin to rebuild and Ezra Ezra is there and he's a scribe and he's speaking to them and they begin to rebuild the temple and they laid the foundation. And the amazing thing is that every time they got a little bit of work done, they would stop. You see, say when you're fresh, when you're new, you're hungry. You're dependent on God. New people quicken you in this house. New people that come to Christ, they freshen you. I love these ladies of Hope House. I cannot deny I am so in love with them as sisters in the Lord. I love going and speaking to them every other Tuesday. I love going and ministering to them. I love seeing them at Cook's last night after kind of a heavy day of just struggling with the Lord over this message and went into Cook's looking pitiful and horrendous and ball cap on and clothes unmatched. I mean, I look like Pastor says the absent-minded professor when I get into the zone of studying. You just don't even want to look at me. It's horrible. But he was gone. And so I, I was there and I went to get some food, had to feed the family, couldn't starve them as well. And went in there and all, they, they just come out one by one behind the deli counter. Hey, Pastor Rhonda. Hey, Pastor Rhonda. You know, and people just 
Rocha just kept looking at me with that ball cap on with mismatched clothes. You know, finally one lady after the third, I think it was Susan that finally said, came out and said, I've got to work tomorrow. I can't come. It doesn't seem right if I don't get the word and my week doesn't feel right. And they're all, so I'm so excited about tomorrow morning. Don't be mad at me when I walk out at noon. I mean, and finally one lady just turned at me and she just kind of shook her head like, my God, they think she's a pastor. They are under delusion. But I couldn't help thinking I had divinely been orchestrated to go get a few things to cook because new people, for someone to say, I can't wait to hear you speak. Oh, I hear that out there by thousands of people. Yes, I do. Go on, three more hours, preach preach all day to us. But you don't get that much among people that you've lived among. And that's just one of those things why sometimes we all need new people to come in and say, oh my Lord, Brother Mike, that worship is the best worship I've ever heard. Dear God, can you just sing till seven o'clock tonight? Pastor Bryce, I've never heard a youth pastor pray like that. Can you just pray all day? I'm so hungry. You see, Proverbs says that to a full person, they will, even honey will taste bitter and they will trample on the honeycomb, meaning something precious in our life. We treat with contempt and we treat with disdain because we're not hungry. But it says to the hungry person, even something bitter tastes so delicious. You see, when we become hungry for God, when we become hungry for his presence, then we view everyone through a different light. But when we are full of our flesh, oh, I've been there. I'm not the only person in this room. When you're full of your flesh and you're full of the world and you're up topped up to here with reality shows and you're topped up to here with your own fleshly ways, you're not hungry at all. And so you can't see anything as precious and holy. I believe this fresh new start this year the Lord is calling us to come as hungry people to look through the lens and see a clear perspective of what God has given us as a house and God has given us in his glory and God has given us come on somebody really give God a shout of praise and shake Sunday morning off of you new I love going to teach them in fact my favorite thing is to work out in the world and Tuesday mornings they don't even know this I have two Baptist friends I adore I just adore them they're so close to me I love them I only see them Tuesdays and Thursdays and I've missed that to go because I when I tell them this I when I go to them I prepare as much and in Barbara Pastor Barbara does this too and I get as excited as if I was going on international television and I know that just freaks you out but it's because they're so hungry they're so fresh to what God has given me, that it quickens me. And I pray that I would do that for someone, that I would do that for my husband, who I've been married to for 26 years, that I would be the hungry soul sitting on the front row. Can't wait to hear the man of God break open the word because hunger begates inside of us and births inside of us new things and new vigor and new anointing that gets even fresher. I'm going to tell you, we need to get hungry to everyone around us and treat with highest honor who they are. Come on, somebody. Give God a shout of praise in this house. But here are the people of God, and here you are today. Young people, brothers and sisters, listen to me. The Spirit of the Lord comes to them, and they built that foundation, and they worshiped every time they built. This is, this is how holy. Please watch this. Please listen. This is how holy they treated it. They worshiped after they laid a beam. They worshiped after they nailed People looking on and say, I can't believe you're doing that. But they treated so holy. 
and they did it and they got the foundation laid and they were sacrificing lots of sacrifices to God saying we're out of captivity we can worship now they got it done they were so reverent and open to the ways of the Lord and as they're worshiping they're praising God and they end it and they see the foundation but what happens in that moment the first of many things that disillusions them for 16 years in that moment the older people began to cry at the same time the younger generation began to rejoice the Bible says four accounts from Ezra 3 Ezra Haggai and uh, Zechariah are the three main accounts of this story you, you have to read all three and I have studied them well three of my favorite guys three of my favorite stories when you study all three and you parallel them to get the full picture you see, it says that the noise was so loud that those on the outside couldn't tell who was rejoicing and who was weeping you see the people that were weeping were the older people because when they looked at the foundation all they could think about was what they had lost and what they had before life happened before captivity happened before they got led away I see this as you and I when we look at the former days of our life in any way that we were used and we don't see ourselves in the same point in a minute I'll read the passage from this and it'll make sense to you and the younger people they're just rejoicing the younger generation that had been raised in captivity they're like the fresh new Christians they're just so thrilled that they've got a place to worship they're so thrilled that they've got a place to praise God they're so thrilled that they have something that they're rejoicing at the same volume this began the one step to many that caused the people of God what they considered so holy what they considered so awesome to let it sit for 16 years everyone say 16 years I'm saying that to encourage you because there's things in your life that you have let sit because people discouraged you because you got disillusioned with others because maybe one crowd wanted it one crowd did it it even says that when the base was laid that the people of the land hired professional people to frustrate the plans so the temple could not be finished I'm gonna tell you something professional people have been hired and they're called principalities and powers and rulers in dark places they've been hired by the Lord of the flies the Lord of the dragons the Lord of hell the Lord of darkness his name is little L for Lucifer because he doesn't deserve a capital in front of his name and he has hired taskmasters in order to discourage you to disillusion you and cause you to leave what you began in God that thing which you treated as holy and reverent that thing which was the heartbeat I'm not talking about a project I'm talking about your life I'm not talking about you doing I'm talking about you being that thing they left to the side and for 16 years there they were and so how do you start again the Spirit of the Lord comes in like on the first day of the year he begins to speak if you have your word to turn with me if you will to Zechariah the fourth chapter the fourth chapter in verse 6 the Spirit of the Lord comes in and he begins to speak and he's speaking to each one of us today because he's trying to teach the people how do you start again how in this new year do you start again toward goals that you didn't fill last year and you didn't fulfill the year before how do you start again at the Barcelona Olympic Games in the hundred meter dash I believe there was a young man when the gun went off he had a false start and they waved the flag and the whole world watched as all the runners had to get back in line behind the starting line and start again and everyone knew that 
that this runner had had a false start and he had gotten ahead of the gun and he had messed everything up. A false start, meaning they couldn't finish what they began. How do you in this new year, in the next 25 minutes, how do you find out how to start again? How to finish what God started in you or bring it to a more state of completion? You see, it's hard when the stigma hits you and everyone knows that you tried that last year to lose weight. You tried in your marriage last year and your marriage is more lifeless today than it was then and you're unwilling to know, oh God, what am I going to do? How do I start again to lose weight? How do I start again to be firmly planted in this house? How do I start again? Zechariah 4 and verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Everyone say Zerubbabel. Say, I'll never forget Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstones with shouts of what? Shouts of what? Grace. Grace to it. Look at your neighbor and say, grace can do through you what you can't do yourself. With shouts of grace. And he goes on to say, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. Zerubbabel was the governor. Zechariah was the prophet. And Haggai was the prophet. Zerubbabel had laid the foundation just like you. Zerubbabel had began a work. Zerubbabel had put his hand to having a better life. Zerubbabel had put his hand to a better situation of his work. Zerubbabel had put his hand to better grades at school. Zerubbabel had put his hand to getting out of debt and getting money in his account. Zerubbabel had put his hand to being a pastor in a church. But for 16 years, Zerubbabel every day had to walk by that which was unfinished. That would mean if at the city square, if where the mall was, someone made a foundation. And for 16 years, where were you 16 years ago? I'm almost 50. Where was I 16 years ago? 16 years they walked by that which was unfinished. For 16 years, Zerubbabel had to see that which God intended to be. Because in that temple, Mary would walk in with baby Jesus and he would be dedicated. That place they had to walk by, say that which is unfinished. Say that which is unfinished. And here they are. And he says, Zerubbabel's hands have laid the foundation of this temple. And here's the, the, the amazing sentence that you and I need to claim right now for all the unfinished things in our life. For the things we believe the Lord has called us to be, first of all, and do second. And it says, His hands shall also finish it. Say, God will finish His good will, His work in my life. And God will finish the work He began through me. Don't tell me that you're too old. I'm almost 50. I just took a prevention test. I'm really only 40, according to prevention. And if I'll start flossing my teeth more and wearing my seatbelt more, I'll be 30. So I'm going to start doing that. So next week, expect to see a 30-year-old. But you know, Winston Churchill didn't even take over Europe 
until he was 65 years old. And that's when he battled the Nazi, the frenzy, blue-eyed fanatic from hell by the name of Adolf Hitler. You may look at 65 as retirement, but as far as me and my hunky hubby, 65 and Winston Churchill is what we're thinking of. Come on, somebody. You see what God, be oh, come on. The older people really want to rejoice. I can sense it. Go ahead. Go ahead. It says, he shall finish it. Say, God will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? Just leave your word right there. You see, so much had happened. That's not my message this morning. I don't have time. And what discouraged them? But just know they were discouraged. They were disillusioned. They were tired. They were weary. They had tried and tried like many of us in many areas of our life, many seasons of our church, many seasons of our family. They had tried and they had tried and they were tired. And he says to them, who among you is despising the day of small things? I think often we think that what God is doing in us is small and doing through us is small. And we envision something else and something more glorious. But let me tell you, at the end of Haggai, Haggai, the last verse, I don't know where it is. You'll have to find it. But listen to what it says. It says, Zerubbabel, I will take you. I will make you. For I have chosen you, says the Lord. Say, he will. Take me. Make me. For he has chosen me. First of all, he took you. I spent time about a week ago with my very handsome nephew, Josiah Brian Giles, adopted from Romania. I remember when he was adopted, and I remember when my brother and Rhonda, they're not married anymore, Rhonda has remarried a Baptist minister, wonderful man by Brian. My brother's still single in Chattanooga. But they adopted this beautiful little Romanian boy. I remember how God led Brian on a European trip with Scott Thomas about another little baby, but he ended up being this little boy named Jonathan Christmas. He was the son of a gypsy woman who had put him in that orphanage because he was a long line of many children. When they found him and got to him, as I've told you before, Josiah was rocking himself in the, the playpen because no one would rock. You can read about adoption right now. is really a strong theme in the Christian world right now because I believe God is trying to say something to us about adoption. And uh, you can read about in Russia how the orphanage, they're all rocking. You just hear it's silent, no crying, because they've learned there's no reason to cry. There's no reason to cry. No one's going to come. All you hear is the squeak of playpens as little children rock themselves back and forth. And Josiah, they, they, they changed his name to Josiah. They got him. They brought him out. I'm going to retell that story. It's a powerful one for another time. Maybe I'll share it with you ladies coming up. But I've shared it with these old people. <laughs> but I'll share it with you young people. Um, but uh, they brought him over from Romania. And you know what? God predestined to take him to take him out of an orphanage and to give him a life. Recently, we discovered a lot of French people came into the orphanage at that time. A lot of French people came in to try to adopt. He could be living in Paris right now with a little beret and a cigar-smoking um, billionaire, but that wasn't God's plan for him. His plan was to give him to a spiritual mother and a spiritual father that he would be raised as a son called Josiah Brian Giles. 
I was riding in the car with Josiah the other day, four hours up and four hours back, and he's about 13 now. He's changed so much, and, and he's grown up. A lot of you remember his dedication. It took place right here, and he's talking to me, and I'm thinking how God took him. I'm looking at those big brown eyes that will just melt you, and he's growing so much. He texts me every morning, good morning, Aunt Rhonda. What's everyone doing? I mean, it's just beautiful, but there was a time a few years ago when he almost changed his name, or his name was changed for him. His stepdad thought that it might be in his best interest. My family, the Giles, did not lift our mouth. And my brother didn't know about it at the time to do anything. We just prayed and we prayed and we prayed that God would allow him to hold on to the Giles name because he was the only son with the name Giles because all we've been girls and my brother, that is the only child. And we prayed and we prayed that God would allow him, but we loved his mother so much and we trust her very much. And so we prayed. And we sought God, and his stepdad thought that maybe his name being changed to Giles would help them because they were going to do mission work. And we understood, and they explained to us the passport. And again, I just said, I just pray. I just pray with you, Rhonda. I just pray with you. My insides were, were just dying. But we just prayed that he could hold on to his name. We let it go, and after about a year or two, her family involved and said, no, God decreed him to be a Giles. He got to hold on to that heritage. That's a strong heritage. And riding in the car the other day, Josiah looked at me, and he said, you know what, Aunt Rhonda, because we've never conversed to this. He goes, I said, you got a great heritage, Josiah. I said, I'm putting a big book together of your grandparents and your great-grandparents, and I want you to see your spiritual DNA of, of the Giles. And someday I want to go to Romania with you, and, and I know your mom said that we'll go and we'll meet those birth parents, but, but you've got a great heritage, Josiah. And he goes, you know what, Aunt Rhonda? I am never letting go of the Giles' name. He goes, you think that he's kind of like a gypsy when he talks to you. He goes, you think I'm going to let that name stop with me? He said, you think I'm going to let the Giles' name go out the window? He's real dramatic like a gypsy, too. You think any of that's going to happen. No, Aunt Rhonda, I'm going to hold on. Well, these big tears. He doesn't know I know this incredible journey, but I realize God took him to make him who he was. I'm going to tell you something. God took you to make you who you are to be. And listen to me, the making of who you are supposed to be is greater than what you could ever do for God. When God called Zerubbabel to this place, when God called Pastor and I to Cleveland, I've shared this with a Wednesday night class. I remember asking a great elder of ours, Pastor David Cooper of the incredible Mount Perrin, whole complex in Atlanta, dear, dear, close, intimate friend of ours. I remember asking him, why would God call us to Cleveland? Why would God want us to pastor in Cleveland? And he took a deep breath and he said, the reason God is calling you to Cleveland is God wants to kill you and deform Christ inside of you. Well, that was not the answer I was expecting. I was expecting because you are so gifted. Now, I didn't think I was expecting that, but sometimes you know what you expect by the answer you get that feels not what you wanted to hear. He said, Rhonda, because God wants to make you and Hank like Christ. God wants to make you like Christ. I'm going to tell you something, church. The Holy Spirit, number one on his list, is to make you like Jesus Christ and to form Christ in you. It is not to look across the world and find some magical place to put your gifts. That will happen too. But the number one thing Jesus wants to do is to form you. And by me being put in Cleveland, Tennessee, that is killed so much of Rhonda Giles Davis, I know you still see a lot of my 
my flesh, but tell me, let me tell you, honey, if you had seen me years ago, come on somebody, you would know that God has killed so much of the flesh and Christ has been formed. I'm going to tell you right now, in this new year, we want God, and Wendy, come help me. I'm not done, but this will help the ending come together. We want God to use our gifts, and we want things to happen, and we want to know that we're doing mighty things, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus is more concerned about making you in his image and you giving God glory than he is you making a million dollars or putting you on a big stage or taking your name around the world. He wants to make you in the image of Jesus and Jesus alone. This life is just a dress rehearsal for eternity and the Holy Spirit is the arm of the Godhead and he's working. He's working continuously to make you like Christ. So you walk like Christ. You speak like Christ. You live like Christ. He's not sitting there thinking, how can I display such glory in her? But he's thinking, how can I make, remaking you? You see that temple. In fact, let me read to you Micah 4 and 13 if you're taking notes. It says, I'm remaking you into a people invincible. He didn't say invisible. He said invincible. Say, God is making me into a person who is invincible. That's what the processes of God, that's the place he puts you, that he can make you invincible. Not always that he can display who you are but make you invincible. Do things for you. We're sitting with a lot of ministers. Um, in fact, Christiane, we're sitting with the Hankins and several other ministers that have been with me on very large stages and platforms. And we're just talking. We, we're just having it. We all got together in Dallas and we're just meeting. And somewhere in that course of conversation, you just get real comfortable and you start t- talking things. And, and somehow it came out that for Wednesday night when I teach, that I study like it's the Super Bowl. And Pastor Hank was telling it. And everyone at that table just looked at me. They go, you're kidding. He goes, no, I'm not kidding. She studies like it's the Super Bowl. She treats it like it's Megadome. And they all just looked at me. Everybody got real quiet. And these are people that have been with me in large auditoriums. And one of them said, well, how many people even come to hear you? Does your church even come out on Wednesday night? Because some of them have just, you really do that? You really do all of that for a Wednesday night? And I got a little embarrassed, and I guess I got quiet. And the pastor's trying. He's doing it all, you know, to lift me up. It's becoming everyone's just staring at me like, you idiot. You, you should be spending your time on something greater. How dare them, Pastor Barb. Thank you. And all of a sudden, Vicki Hankins, one of my dear friends, just spoke up. She goes, good for you, Rhonda. Good for you. Good for you. She just went up and goes, good for you. And so I thought, I'm going to get a standing ovation here. Good for you. But you see, I know God. I believe God is making people into disciples. And the best effect I can have is to be with the same group of people, no matter how discouraged they get from hearing me or tired they get of my messages or wishing it was someone else filling the pulpit. All of these things happen. I believe the word makes people into great disciples. And it says, I'm remaking you into a people invincible. Not invisible. When God sent Moses, remember what God said to Joshua in Joshua 1? Be strong and be courageous, Joshua. For as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. One of the ways that God was with Moses was in providential care. Meaning that before time began, 
God charted it all like he did with Josiah. He knew Josiah's parents were divorced. He knew that life would happen and unfortunate situations would happen. He still chose Josiah to come because he knew he would triumph through it. You see, with Moses, God was with him in providence care, which means if you, if you read what providence is in the dictionary, the Webster says it this way. I just had to laugh out loud. He says, as if some deity was involved orchestrating the events. I'm like, yeah. And his name ain't Buddha. Providential care. God was always a step ahead of Moses. God is always a step ahead, remaking us. And when God sent Moses to the wilderness, you see, Moses was going to be a great man used of God, Zerubbabel. And you, my sisters and brothers, are going to be great men and women used by God now and forevermore that you are willing. But God sent him to the desert. God didn't display anything great in him for 40 years, but in the desert, he was alone because God had to remake him into a man who was invincible. A man who could stand and do. I'm going to tell you that your greatest hour has not come. Your greatest hour is coming. Jesus said, my finest moment hasn't come. And they said, you've raised the dead. His disciples said, you've healed the lame. He goes, no, 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 you've got it wrong. That's not my final moment. That's not my finest moment. It's still coming. You see, and Moses was sent to that wilderness so God can make him a people invincible. But if you looked on, do you think, Moses... With all of your gifts and your anointing and you were raised in Pharaoh's house. You're intelligent. You're schooled. Why should you be in the wilderness for 40 years? It'd be like what's said in Micah 4 and 10, if you're taking notes. Where the enemies of God said, we want to see Zion, that's us, grovel in the dirt. They, but God says, they have no idea why God is doing this and why God is thinking this. They don't know that this is the making of of my great people they are gold being refined i'm going to tell you you may look into your own life and think this is a small thing i'm doing i there's going to be a greater thing you may look in and not understanding this season of your life god is rooting you and grounding you and putting things in you but you have to come back to say god is making me into a person invincible someone give god a hand clap of praise this morning and God says to Zerubbabel, it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power. But my spirit is working. This has been undone for 16 years. Unfinished, you can't start again. But what I need to do is going to be by my might. But Zerubbabel, brothers and sisters, you've got to pick up the gauntlet in the new year and say, me and God are going after it. Me and God are going to finish He's going to make in me what he's making. I'm not stepping out of the place. He's put to make me a disciple of Christ. To make me who I'm supposed to be in my marriage. To make me who I'm supposed to be as a mommy. To make me who I'm supposed to be as a husband, as a father, as an employee. No, he's not done making me. So I will continue. Because what he was saying is Zerubbabel, this is no small thing, what I'm doing. You can't despise it. Because he says to him, watch this, he says, the Lord will rejoice to see the plumb line. Everyone say plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. It's, I just landed this little spot with our Wednesday night class. Un, un, they didn't know, unexpectedly, I just swarmed into Zerubbabel. And that, that kind of inspired me for this morning. But the plumb line was in Zerubbabel's hands. And it says, the Lord rejoices. It says, the seven eyes, which is the Lord, rejoice to see the plumb line. What does that mean? 
It means the Lord rejoices in this new year to see you pick up and start doing and start being his child, making those goals to read your word through the, this year. Be the first year you've ever read the Bible all the way through. I got a lot of ideas to help you with that if you need to know. This is the first year that you will quit smoking. I've tried 17 times, but God rejoices to see you pick it up and try again. God rejoices to see you pick up that desire to be healthier, that desire to get out of debt, though you've tried. And it seems like it's worse. Most people I know heading into 2011 say it's worse financially than they've seen in years. But God rejoices to see you pick up your tithe and pick up your checkbook and balance yourself out of your debt and believe God that it won't be by might or power, though you will do what you can do. But in the end, God will grace you with wisdom and knowledge to get your family into a better place financially. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. If you receive it, thank Him. He will rejoice to see you try again to try to get off prescription drugs. My dear friends confessed to me that her son from a very affluent family, another family in the city, she said, I'm going to tell you this, Rhonda, for 13 weeks. I said, I knew the day you mentioned you were heavy. I knew, it. I knew it was your son. I just didn't want to say anything. I knew you'd tell me in time. Addicted to prescription drugs, finishing his eighth week in rehab, a professional nurse, a young man who said in high school, he was most popular when he got into college um, to make the grades. And he just, he battled with his low self-esteem. So he started picking up the bottle and ended up getting a place of help. But you know what? We may have tried to kick the butt out of some addictions. Maybe it's sexual addiction. Maybe it is murmuring and complaining. I'm saddened when people write me and they hear my teaching and they say, I've been negative my whole life. I know your word is teaching me, but I don't know how. I want to say, pick up the plumb line again. Pick up the desire to say this will be the year that this mouth will be delivered from speaking, complaining, and murmuring. This will be the year that I get back in the game of God and I go after what God has for me. This will be the year. Somebody give God a shout of praise. What was he saying when he said, I'm with you? I'm going to leave a lot of this out and just get right here. I'm with you. He says, I am with you. In Haggai, he says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong in the courage of the Lord. Be strong. Be courageous in this new year. God is saying to make a fresh start. Be strong and be courageous. When you feel weak, tell yourself, oh my soul, be strong and be courageous. He says, be strong and be courageous. He says, for I am with you. He says, who is among you that saw the former temple in all of its glory? I love that. And he goes, and how do you see it now? In comparison you see it as nothing. I love that God has got their number. I love God. He's kind of like a therapist on the other side of the table saying, we are not overlooking this issue. We are not overlooking your mindset. You're looking at what I'm trying to make out of you and do through you as nothing. You're comparing it to a former day or former situation. You don't understand. We aren't living in that day. We are living in this day. And I'm trying to make you into who I want to make you. He said, so I know that you see it as nothing. But he says, listen to me. Listen to me. 
I am with you. Be strong, says the Lord of hosts, and all you people, for I, the Lord, am with you. Be of good courage. Be of good courage and know because behind the call to be courageous is the promise. I am with you. That preparation with is powerful. When you go into work tomorrow, he's with you. When you go to bed tomorrow night, he's with you. He says, I'm with you. Emmanuel, everywhere you are, I'm with you. And I've got a purpose. You can start again because it won't be by might. It won't be by power, but it will be because I am. Someone say he is. Someone say, He is. He is. He is with me. Because I am with you. He says, Zerubbabel, you're the governor trying to finish this. He says to you, modern day Zerubbabels, daughters of God, sons of God, brothers and sisters, Rhonda Davis, he says to me, I believe messages are as much for me as they are for you. I am with you. Get up, grab the plumb line. Get up. And go into the new year with a hunger and a vigilance. Treat holy what you've stopped treating holy. Treat sacred the word of God. Treat sacred what you do for God. Treat sacred where he is making you and what he's doing inside of you. You see, soon this life will be over, either through rapture or through death. And soon you will stand before him. He will look to see how you've responded to his making you into the image of his son. And he will look to see, have you been remade? He says, Zerubbabel, this isn't a small thing, but I'm speaking it today. And Haggai goes on to say, let me finish out because it's so powerful. He says, be strong because I am with you. And he says this powerful promise. Everyone say powerful promise. Every call has a backup promise. He says to you, be strong. Why? Is what he said. Because Zerubbabel, I'm going to do what I said I would do for you according to the word that I covenanted with you when I brought you out of Egypt. Zerubbabel never came out of Egypt. He went among the group that came out of Egypt. But he was among the lineage of those that came out of Egypt. You see, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line we used to sing. He says, I covenanted with your fathers when you came out of Egypt, and I will be with you in my spirit. Someone say, his spirit remains with us. He says, my spirit. So what does that mean this morning on this fresh start, this new year? What does it mean that you should do? Number one, he took you. Now he's making you. So because he has chosen you. One of the words that I didn't read of that is said he chose you to be his signet ring. A signet ring of a monarch was something that was in his possession at all times. It meant it was precious to him. God has chosen I. He will give us, as he gave Moses and he gave these people, signs and miraculous wonders in the earth to follow us. The word says, these signs shall follow those who believe. God was with Moses and God was with Zerubbabel in miraculous signs. That means when your staff needs to be a snake, God will turn it into a snake. That means when you need supernatural plagues to come in or supernatural divine intervention, God will do it. 
if you're in the place where he took you, where he's making you, and where he's chosen you. This is what the Lord says in Zephaniah 3 and 17. The Lord has taken away your judgment. Someone say, thank God. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. Do not fear. Let not your hands be weary. Don't let your hands be tired. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you. I always think about my babies when I read that. It says he'll quiet you with his love. And when my babies would cry and you would pick them up and you would say, shh, baby, shh. And they're just squalling and screaming and crying so loud. And the more you quiet, you just, you see mother, even, even if you just pick up a baby, everyone starts to do this. If they're crying, they just do anything to get them distracted. Shh, baby, shh, baby, baby. And eventually, <laughs> until that last sob is left, or you stuck a pacifier in their mouth, whichever comes first. And they go to sleep. You quiet them with your love. God is saying, oh, my people. Oh, my sons and my precious daughters. Oh, my children. I am with you. If you're not believing me in your marriage, in your life, in your finances, in your health, for something great, then you have forgotten that I am with you. That I have made you a signet ring unto my heart, my precious possession. Let me quiet you with love that I knew what I was getting into when I called you. I knew every weakness you have had, every hindrance, every time you tried to make a fresh start. And I'm prophesying now. And you did not finish the start. Did you not know that I, the Lord, was with you every place you started? And today I quiet you with my love to say to you, today I rejoice on this new day of this new year to see you pick up that desire. Pick it up says the Spirit of the Lord. To pick up that motivation. Pick it up, says the Spirit of the Lord. To pick up that hunger for me, though you are sorely afraid at times to come to me in my secret place because of the past. Pick up that ability and that consciousness that I am making you Moses into someone, woman, and man of God that you never dreamed you could be. But don't run from my making. Don't run from this moment that I am making you invincible, says the Lord, and not invisible. You may feel invisible, says the Spirit of the Lord, but I am making you invincible. For to undo his Moses, the Spirit of the Lord says today, unto every Zerubbabel in the house, if you knew that the walls that will come down through you, Joshua's, if you knew the waters that will part, if you knew the Pharaohs that you will stand before, you would not remove yourself from under the hand of my making. For I took you that I would make you and my spirit remains in you. So pick up your desire. Pick up 
your faith. Pick up in this new year and make a fresh start again to try what you have failed at, says the Spirit of the Lord, time and time again. And know that I, the Lord, am with you. It won't be by your might, says the Spirit of the Lord, though you shall give it your might. It won't be by your power, says the Spirit of the Lord, though you shall give it all you got. But it will be by me, says the Spirit of the Most High God. For I've come to act in your behalf. Somebody give God praise. Just stand up and praise Him. Come on, right where you are. Just stand up and begin to worship Him. Just stand up and begin to worship Him. Come on, just stand up and begin to worship Him. Just treat Him as holy in this room. Just treat Him as holy. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come on, young people, brothers and sisters. Just make that place your altar. Come on, right where you are. Just make that place your altar. right where you stand. Don't, don't be afraid or concerned of the person you're right or your left. Just have the movement you need right now with God. Right now, right now, right now. I find my joy in worshiping you, Lord, in trusting you, Lord. I find my joy in surrendering to you. Come on, make that place a place of surrender. Make that place that you're standing. Come on, it's time to start again. God is just kind of like going through pages in your mind right now of things you've tried and you failed so you didn't try again. And God is calling you to try again right now. God is calling you. Come on, God is calling you to try again. God is, 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 God is just refreshing faith in this room right now. God is refreshing the desire to be out of debt. God is refreshing the desire to be the Zerubbabel's of this house that will bend to the ways of God and His work above all. Come on, right here and right now. Right where you stand, come on. Make that an altar. Make that a place. Come on, with hands lifted, with eyes closed. Come on, make that your place. Make that your place of surrender. Your place, your place, your place, your place of surrender. Come on, Spirit of the Lord is working. Spirit of the Lord is working. Come on, just let Him. Somebody needs to thank Him for what He's making you into. You've been despising what you esteem as a small place and looking to where a, looking for something, you know, else. Or, or, or I don't mean another God. I don't even know what I'm saying. But all I'm saying is you need to say, Lord, thank you for making me into a man or a woman of God that's invincible. Thank you for where you've assigned me to work. Thank you for what marriage you put me in. Thank you for where you put me in my assignment. Thank you that you're making me invincible. 
Come on, church. Come on. Come on, church. Come on. This is God's year to act. 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 Come on. Come on. If you need to pray about a mountain that's in here, that you need to shout grace to something unfinished, this is your moment to do that right now. This is your general altar call all over this house. Come on. That it looks impossible. It looks beyond the scope of that which could possibly be reversed but God is saying will you lift up the plumb line of faith will you Zerubbabel will your daughters and sons lift up come on right here and right now right all over this place come on right all over this place these altars are open if you need to come forth you come on forth you come on up if you need to come on Come on, just make that your place. Make that your place wherever you are. I wait on you, Holy Spirit. I sense you halting me. I wait on you, Holy Spirit. I wait on you. Come on, just keep reaching up to Him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, keep praying. I'm just worshiping until I can figure out where he is. I just sense the Spirit of the Lord calling for a strong, a strong prayer of faith for some things unfinished in this house. This is what I want. Hope House ladies, I know you love me and you trust me. I don't have the years of debt that I have with these old people, but so this is a place you'll have to trust me. Pastor Barb, if you'll go over there and help them to form a circle over in that altar holding hands, and I want you to pray for Hope House. Young people, I want you over here to come up and to form a circle, young men and women, and I want you to begin to pray. I want you to pray for God to act in revival. You that went through the ramp, I'm going to ask you to pray for an impartation to every hand you're holding. Praise and worship team, you that can't get to your instruments and to the mics, come right now. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord, I'm going to ask you out in the congregation to take someone's hand that you're out there. I want you to face them or get in a circle of two or three. I want you to begin to pray for God to act. I'm just following the Holy Spirit in His mood. Maybe you want to pray with your spouse or someone else. Right now, Brother Mike, if you'd find something to sing and if we could do this right now. Come on, it's 10 after 12. We're still ahead of the game. First Sunday in the New Year's. Let's pray. What is unfinished? Pray for that hand you're holding. What is unfinished in their life? What is God trying to make them into? What is God saying to them? It's not by might nor by power. Come on. Come on. Begin to pray all over this house. Come on. Lift up your voices. I want to hear you praying. I want to hear you praying. Come on, young people. I want to hear you praying. Come on, brothers and sisters. I want to hear you praying. Come on, mine. I want to hear you praying. Come on. I want to hear you praying. I want to hear you praying. I want to hear you calling out.
out to God. Come on. Come on, right where you are. I want to hear you calling out to God. Calling out to God. Calling out to God. Come on, right here in this moment. Right here in this moment. Right here in this moment. If we can't, let's switch to that holy, that verse that you sang at the end, Brother Mike. Come on, keep praying for that hand. Keep praying for that hand. Keep praying for that hand. Come on, Father, in the name of Jesus, if my brother or sister is discouraged coming into 2011, if they're disillusioned because of the letharginess of others, God, encourage Austin that media people are coming to help him. God, encourage Brother Mike that singers and musicians are coming to help him. God, encourage Travis and Christiana that young adults are coming to sit at their table. God, encourage Pastor Bryce that youth are coming, that awakening and revival is coming and that these young people are coming alive. God, encourage our leadership. Encourage Jason Resto. Encourage Tommy Stovall. Encourage them, God, in men's ministry that this is your year to act, God. Encourage them. Encourage our pastors. Encourage Pastor Hank, Pastor Tim, Pastor Todd, Pastor Rhonda, Pastor Barbara, Pastor Jason. Encourage Pastor Bryce. Encourage them, Lord. Encourage us. Come on, church. Cry out. Come on. That cry that cries to Abba, Daddy. Come on. Pray right now. Pray. We lift up Hope House to you. We lift up, Lord, that you would supernaturally intervene with finances and with healing, Lord, that they can't even imagine. God, that you will do it. That you will do it, God. You will do it. We pray, Father, for the finances of every family, the finances of this church, the finances, God, of our brothers and sisters all over the world. Lord, we pray for major ministries that have taken hits like Dutch Sheets and Karen, many places that have taken hits this year. We pray, Father, that you would supernaturally, supernaturally bring in resources. Now I want you to pray for that hand. What is unfinished in that hand that you're holding? What do they need to pick up and to trust God for? Come on, right where you are. It may be a marriage. It may be a situation. It may be their health. It may be their education. Maybe someone has tried to finish college or get their degree and they need to be encouraged. Maybe someone needs to be encouraged in what God is doing. Pray for that hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord, that it won't be by might nor by power, but that you are with us. You are with us, with us as families, with us as a church, with us, Lord, in our ministries. You are God. Awaken us. Make us hungry. Make us hungry. Make us want to build the local church, to build the kingdom in the hearts of those we work alongside in our businesses, to build, Lord. We, we're like the people in Ezra. We treated it so holy. We treated it with such respect. We were so hungry to see souls saved. We were so hungry to see people brought out of darkness. But God, bring back the hunger that this is the year for you to act. This is the year. Awaken us, God, with a burden for souls. Awaken us, God, with a burden for revival. Awaken us, God, with a burden to disciple, to accept. Places where you have put us to accept. 
holy, Lord. I pick up, Lord, today to finish what you have called me to do in this new year, knowing that this is your year, God, to act in behalf of your people, to release from captivity, to open blind eyes, Lord, because you are with us. The word that you covenanted with us, do not fear, for you are with us. You are with us. You are with us. We dream big. We write big visions and big plans, Lord, that fit underneath your mighty and controlling hand. For God, you are sovereign over all the earth. We, your people, bow down before you submitting to your ways that sometimes on bending knee we can't understand we ride on your paper lord and it still doesn't make any sense to the common man but we your people bow low before you today in humility and honor with holy fear and respect to say god have your way among us lord move and cause us to be hungry breathe into us holy spirit Wake us up as you did with Zerubbabel that we may respond to you. We put in our hand today your word and we look to finish what you have called us to do, Lord. To treat with holy your way. To treat with holy your word. God, today we look back on former days in our lives when we treated holy your word more holier than now. We treated holy worship we treated holy the sacred assembling it together we treated holy and in reverence but lord we like the people of israel repent we confess before you and ask you to forgive us lord in solemn moment right now forgive us for treating the holy as profane forgive us for losing like the people of israel did sometimes for 16 days 16 months or years the holiness of what you've given us as a people that belong to you, the worship, the word, and community, and taking your word to the people that we live among and we work with. Lord, forgive us. God, today, we would like to call you on your word, Father, for a fresh start, for a fresh beginning, to be reborn, to be renewed, to be refreshed, Abba. Renewed, refreshed, invigorated, to try again, God. Fill us with that same figure, Lord, for we, like the people in this story, have just let some things go, Lord. But today, Lord, refresh us and renew us and restore us that we might finish doing what you called us to do. Because we know you won't stop till you're done with us. So we give you praise in Jesus' name. Would you give him a hand clap of praise all over this house? Come on. Come on, all over this house, would you give him a hand clap of praise? What a God! Somebody give God a shout of praise.